0: Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 5 and 6, it's been a few weeks since we've been in Hebrews, I have been trying to uh, um, go through the whole book of Hebrews, and then we had Resurrection Sunday, and then I needed to do a follow-up for that, so that took last week. Um, but we're going to get back to Hebrews. And I'm going to go back over, we read most of this about three weeks ago, but I want to break it down a little bit in in, uh, the Scriptures scriptures here and try to help you understand. Because this is Hebrews 5, the end of 5 and the beginning of 6 is some of the most controversial passages in our Bible. And I want to try to help you understand it a little bit better. So, we're going to start reading at Hebrews 5.12. Everybody there, Hebrews 5.12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers... Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe." But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Again, pay very close attention to words. And not just a word, but is it plural? Is it singular? And all, all the, the words that uh, are in pretty much just the King James Bible uh, that give us clues as to what is being and who is being talked to. So we get a lot of clues in the words that are used. And all of these words are very important. And sometimes we, we have to guess on some things, and I do it, uh, where I, I don't know f- exactly for sure what something is meaning, and then later on, God shows me something, or I'm reading somebody else, or somebody shares a message on it, and then I see it a little differently and go, oh, okay. And I have to maybe backtrack and say, well, I thought this, but now I'm thinking more of this. And as time goes on, you will see those things. You'll notice those things yourself if you're in the Word of God. Now, this is written to the Hebrews, but it's also written for us because we are in danger of going back to another way than the simple message, the gospel message of of Jesus, and Him alone, we're very, very... uh, we are very able to go back just like the Jewish people would. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people who have no clue what the Jews used to do, but yet they will find out from some preacher that this is what the Jewish people did, and we need to do what they did to, to, to make God happy. And then they, people start acting Jewish. I've seen, I've, I've seen it. So I know this applies to us as well, because we could do the same thing. And we are being warned here in Hebrews not to go back. And why would we go back? Because we don't have a good understanding of the Word of God. We, we should be growing a nice, steady growth and becoming teachers of the Word and not being taught. Again, it's a lifetime process. But if you're still a babe after being in the church for years and years and years, something's wrong. You're not growing. This is what this is talking about. Uh, You ought to be teachers by now, but but ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. Now here, in verse 13, let's look at this very carefully. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. That's what I want to focus on. Are you unskillful in the word of righteousness think about it the general population have hardly any knowledge of scripture at all the general population will they know uh, judge not lest you be judged there's certain scriptures they like so if you try to call them out on doing something wrong Judge not, lest you be judged. It's like, well, how did you know that? Okay, Uh, there are people who will tell you that by being a Bible-believing person and holding to God's standards, that you're mean to people who aren't like you. And they'll say, how dare you say that about this particular whatever it might be, whether it be, today it's, It's transgender, those types of things. And if you was to call that out for what the Bible says, then they say, you're being mean. And 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 I'm like, well, wait a minute. How do you know I'm being mean? What kind of standard are you holding me up to? And they really don't have an answer. Other than, well, just everybody knows you're not supposed to be mean. How do I know that? How do you know you're not supposed to do certain things? There's some type of standard you're following. What is it? And we know that the Bible is where we get our standards for what's right and wrong. But if you're unskillful in the word of righteousness, then you're not going to be able to discern... What's what's the next verse? You should be getting into the deeper things of the Word, and it's being talked about as being meat that a mature person would eat, uh, to them that are, are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We should, as we read the Word of God, We get our senses are exercised more and more to know the difference between good and evil. Now, we got the knowledge of good and evil naturally through fallen man. We just come into this world knowing we want what we want, and that's mine. A little tiny kid could see another kid take something from them, and they'll have a meltdown. And they, and, and they know that that is wrong. It's just something that's inside of them. All of us have that, that conscience that, has, that is inside of us. But how do you handle those things? We really need God's ways, because if we try to handle it... Um, I don't even see my daughter. Where'd she, where's she go? She doesn't run, off. She's a runner. That's what she does. She runs off. Well, I can remember when Joseph, when they were little and Anna was tiny. She was probably three years old. And Joseph was doing things that was really aggravating her. And he wouldn't stop doing it. I don't know what it was, but he was doing something that really, uh, made her mad, and she needed to protect herself from, from him, and she took a sharpened pencil and attacked him and was going to just do away with that trouble. I'm glad she's not in here right now. And she needed to be instructed by a God-fearing mother and maybe get her, her, little, her, her little butt whipped You know, you don't do this. You don't act out in violence against your brother. Yeah, he may have deserved it, but this we don't do that. You know, so you and and people will freak out over spanking little kids today. Freak out over it, and I've got a whole list in my notebook of uh, the rod, just out of Proverbs. Back when I was reading through Proverbs. And I, and I started taking note of certain things. And, you know, a, a father or mother who withholds the rod hates their ch- child. If you just let them grow up anyway. And I've watched parents who thought they were being nice and sweet by not correcting their children, and their children have gone the other way. I've seen it. I mean, good, well meaning parents and grandparents who will not do what the Bible says to keep a child in the way, and they have gone off, and and they're lost. And it's like their mind has become what the Bible calls reprobate, and they cannot be brought back. And that's scary. But the Bible does talk about a mind becoming a person, a person's soul becoming reprobate, to where their heart is so hard, there's nothing you can do to get them back. And now you're down to praying. All you have to do, can do is pray. You can't bring them up in the way they should go, train them up in the way they should go because that's all gone. You've missed your opportunity. And now you have to, you know, you pray and you hope for a miracle. That can happen, but it doesn't happen very often. So we have to direct people, because if you allow people to get into sinful ways, their heart gets hardened more and more, and they become closer and closer to that reprobate state. So the point of that those verses right there is to grow in your faith and to become skillful in the word of righteousness. That's your Bible. Please, become skillful in that. You must know the Word of God. Okay, moving on. Here's a a verse to back up that. This is out of Isaiah chapter 5. Listen carefully. Verse 20 and 21. Isaiah says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. When people come up with their own rules, they come up with some weird stuff. And it's the opposite of what God intended. Do we see evil being called good today? absolutely, and good things, evil, and we see dark, and people say, oh, that's light. No, it's not. All right, now we are at chapter 6. Again, we've read all this before, but I'm trying to go back through it and, and break it down a little bit better. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, that sounds weird. If you read, if, when you read that, why would I leave it? Well, it's not that you're, you're abandoning it. It's there, and it's a foundation. So if all you ever do is lay it a foundation, and you never built on it, what good is it? You're supposed to build on a foundation. So, it's saying, uh, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Christ is wonderful. You should should have heard that by now. I know you've heard it many, many times from me alone. You've heard it from other people. So, are you here today to get saved all over again? We might have a brand new person come in, and I may change the message for today, not because I wanted to, but because the Holy Spirit's leading me to change the message a little bit because we've got a brand new person that we don't know, and they might need this basic doctrine of Jesus because they may not know it. But almost everybody sitting in here today have heard it so many times. So now we got the foundation, which is critical. Right? Foundations are critical. Um, Build it on a solid rock called Jesus Christ joseph was listening to this uh comedian on online and he he was uh this comedian was was talking about people asking him to pray for certain things and there were certain things he just didn't want to pray for and somebody called him up and said well my friends down at the beach on the coast they have a five million dollar home and the hurricane's coming right at it will you pray for them and he's like nah He, he said did they build their house on a solid rock? No, they built it on the sand. Okay, and so do you want me to pray for them? Uh, God, direct the hurricane and all those those floods away from that big house and wipe out all the poor people around them? Of course, he's the comedian. Everybody laughed at him. They're not going to laugh at me. But... He was using godly principles in the way he was talking about it. All right, here's the next part of it. Let us go on unto perfection. Now, when you see perfection in the King James Bible, uh, it means completeness. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are to be perfect, because none of us are perfect but we are to work toward that completeness, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, we're going to have to stop there. Repentance. Now, pay close attention to what I'm saying, and this this will probably bother you a little bit when I say this. We have been or are guilty of saying you need to, if you go out and talk to a sinner, talk to somebody, we might say you need to repent of your sins and say a sinner's prayer, and we try to witness that way. Why do we say repent of your sins? Why would we go out and tell a sinner to repent of their sins? And what does repentance mean? Right here it says, repentance of dead works. What's dead works? Dead works could be reading your Bible every single day. Could be. Well, 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 no, no, dead works, that would be sinful things. No. It's anything at all, it could be coming to church every single Sunday and not going on vacation with your family because, no, i got to go to church. That could be dead works. If you are thinking that that's getting you ahead and that God would surely pick you over others because you've never missed church and you read your Bible all the time. You know, it is absolutely wonderful if you read your Bible every day. I'd be thrilled to know that you're reading your Bible every single day. But don't make it a dead work. Don't think that that is what saves you or keeps you saved. It will help you build on the foundation, but be careful what you think of dead works. And be careful about telling people that they need to repent of their sins to come to God. They're not able. Until you get the power of the Holy Spirit, your sins are going to be thriving. And if you tell somebody you need to repent of your sin, what you're really saying, what you, what you mean by that is you need to understand that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus to cleanse you of your sin. That's what you're trying to say, but the way you say it, they might take it as, I've got to get myself cleaned up before I can go into that church over there. And we don't ever want people to think that. We need to go tell people, keep on sinning and come see Jesus. Come on, let me introduce you to Jesus. Don't worry about your sins right now, because you don't have the power to get rid of them anyway, and you're going to keep sinning, but don't go home and try to get yourself cleaned up and presentable to come to the house of the Lord. Don't ever do that, because you'll spend a lifetime and die and go to hell before you ever get good enough to go meet Jesus. Jesus. You need Him just the way you are. And I don't care how filthy of a sinner you are, come to Jesus in that state. Don't be ashamed. Just come to Jesus. So I wrote down, Most people see the word repent and automatically think, be sorry for your sins and turn from them. That's what most people think. Be careful about that. Yeah, we should be sorry for our sins, and most of us are. All right, here is Acts 20, verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, so that's the Hebrew people and the Gentiles, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it says there. It doesn't give a condition... Now right here it says repent... This is Hebrews, it says repent from dead works. Repentance of dead works. That is a foundation that we shouldn't have to be going over again and again. So, degenerate man first needs to reconnect with God, and I'm talking about mankind... Needs to reconnect with God before he can have the moral strength to turn from his sins. Is that true? We need, man needs to reconnect. He needs to get things right with God, and that's through Jesus. Then he might have the moral strength to turn from his sin. The focus is God and our relationship with Him. That should be the focus. And Acts 20, 21 says it perfectly. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek, doesn't matter if, you, you know, if you're a Gentile, it's repentance toward God and faith. So repent means to, just generally speaking, you're turning from one way and going a different way. That's all repentance really means. But Christians, well meaning religious people, have turned it into, when you say repent, it's going and bowing down and, and, and asking for forgiveness of your sins. That's not repentance. That's something you should do, but that's not repentance. Just being sorry for, even Judas Iscariot was sorry for what he did, but he never turned toward God. He should have turned to God, but what he did, he just felt bad for what he did to Jesus, and he, and he was sincere as far as throwing the money away. And then he went out and killed himself. He never turned to God. So you can be sorry for your sins all you want, but if you miss turning to God, you're going to be no better off than Judas Iscariot. And the very next thing it says is, so, repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So, it says it here too, just like, Uh, Acts 20, 21 backs it up. So, what is faith toward God? Think about the very first sin we see in our Bibles. There was a lack of faith in what God had said. And Satan was able to use that to tempt Eve and she sinned. It was all about not having a simple faith and that God won't lie, and God wants, he, he's, his way is the way, and that's faith. Think about every single Old Testament story that we hold dear to our hearts. Every single one of them was trying to bring man to faith. It's trying to show that There's no way Sarah could have a baby. But yet God said she was going to. And living in faith, and then it comes to pass. There's no way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not going to get burned up in that furnace. The very people that threw them in died because of the intense heat, but they lived. It was, every story is trying to bring people to faith in God. If you go back and read all those stories of the Old Testament, you'll see it. That's the main theme of every single one, is introducing them to faith and showing us what faith is. How about this next one? Here's another, this is another foundation. Verse 2 of 6 of the Doctrine of Baptisms." Notice the wording. The Doctrine, singular, of Baptisms, plural. Now in Ephesians, and this is just from memory, I believe it's Ephesians, you don't get very far in Ephesians and you see uh, one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism. Well, if there's only one baptism, how, is it, how do we have a doctrine of baptisms? Uh, some, some newer versions will say uh, instructions in, or instruction, at least they get that part right, the singular part, of washings. So they'll, they'll make it out to be the washings of the Old Testament. This is written to the Hebrews. It might be very, very true that that's what it's talking about. But my Bible says baptisms, the doctrine, singular, of baptisms. I've done a lot of preaching on baptisms, and I don't want to get in too much detail because I've already done it before. But just, just to kind of give you a little bit of it, because there's some people here that haven't heard those, those uh, sermons, that one true baptism, you need to find out what it is. If you go into your Bibles, it helps to have a really nice Strong's concordance. And it'll, it shows you every word that's in the Bible. You can look up a word and it'll tell you every place that's in the Bible. So if you do a word search on baptism, baptism, you're going to find out that there, are doct- there is a doctrine of baptisms plural. And I wouldn't be surprised if you find seven different baptisms. One of them is the true baptism that really saves. The other six are a picture of the one true baptism. Now, it got brought up by uh, Joy's son at Sunday school. He, they was in for a visit, they couldn't stay for preaching. They didn't want to hear my preaching. Now, they had to be back at a certain time. That was a good excuse. You know, so they came to Sunday school and then they took off. But he brought up water baptism. Is that does that save you? Now there are people who believe in baptismal regeneration that you're it's not you're not totally saved until you get dunked in the water because you haven't acted in obedience. They got all these different excuses and they use the pictures. The types and pictures of baptisms in the Bible to show you that you got to be baptized in water to be saved. Well, that's a false teaching. Which he was right. He was because he, he, uh, David actually asked, "What do you know? Can you name some false teachings that are in in the church today?" And that was one of the ones that came up when we were talking about it. So what it. If being dunked in the water doesn't actually save you, what baptism does save you? Being baptized into the Holy Ghost. The the Holy Ghost baptizing you into Jesus, that's the one that really saves you. That's the one baptism. Now the other baptisms are a type and picture of that. There's even a baptism unto Moses in the sea. You'll see it. If you you go and do that, word search, you will see a baptism unto Moses in the sea. Did anybody get wet? Not the Jews, but the ones chasing them did get wet. The ones who got wet were destroyed. The ones who didn't get wet were saved. Okay? You can go to First Peter chapter three. and I started uh, instead of turning in my Bibles. Now you can do this if you want, but I'm Bible on my phone, okay? So if you're out there playing with your phone, I'll try not to get mad at you for being on your phone during church, because you might be looking up the Bible but you better be. I might get some spies out there to kind of look over your shoulder and make sure you're actually in the Bible. But if you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, let's look at uh, 20, 21, 20 and 21. It's, this, this is 1 Peter, and if you don't have time to, to turn to this, you don't have to, you just write it down, and you can look at it later. Which This is one of the types which sometime were disobedient, talking about the, the spirits that had been uh, witnessed to, or uh, when it said by, by I don't I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into that. All right, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water." Eight souls were saved by water? That doesn't make any sense. "...the like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us." So, somebody could say, see there, you got to be baptized to be saved. It says it right here in 1 Peter. No, this is a picture. It says, "...the like figure. And did, did, did Noah Noah and his wife, their three sons and the, the wives of the three sons, they were the only ones saved. Did they get wet? No. They went into the ark, which was like us being baptized into Jesus. We're in the safe place. And when judgment came, whoever was in the ark got lifted up above the judgment and were saved because they were in the ark. The people who actually got baptized in water all perished. So the real baptism is being hid in Jesus, being baptized into him, that safe place. And this is a picture of it. So here's another baptism that the, you, when you do your word search, you'll see it right there in 1 Peter chapter 3. Y'all got a really good head start on this word search thing you're going to do. In, in 1 Corinthians, I wrote this one down, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit, capital S Spirit, Are we all baptized into one body? No getting wet on this one either. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That's talking about the true baptism. Now, you become a believer, you're trusting in Jesus, you're born again, that should be one of the first things on your list is to be water baptized. So, we had John the Baptist water baptizing people, and that's a different baptism than believers' Notice it's called believers' baptism, and you get dunked in the water, but it's not under John's, uh, it's not the way John the Baptist would do it. And John the Baptist himself even said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoes latches I'm not willing to unloose, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. One or the other. So even John the Baptist said, He baptized with water, but the one coming after him will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's the true baptism. So you got John the Baptist, water baptism, you got believers' baptism. You've got the baptism into the body. You've got the bapti- baptism into Moses, into the sea. You've got the baptism of the ark, the story of Noah. So y'all find the, find the others. And, and hopefully you have a list of seven. I said I wasn't going to spend much time on that. Oh well. And of laying on of hands... Now, I touched on that a while back. There's different, people think differently of this, but we do have, you know, the laying on of hands. The apostles would lay hands on somebody to anoint them uh, or for healing. So we might do those things. Um, that's something. But if you're thinking about the Jewish system, they would lay hands on the innocent little sheep before the sheep got killed. And what was that signifying? It was your sins being placed on that lamb, and then that lamb died in your place. So we got to move on from that. You know, that that's a picture of Jesus, uh, our sins being placed on Him, and then He has taken care of our sins, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal. Judgment. Okay, we've talked a lot about the resurrection of the dead recently, last couple weeks. So this eternal judgment. All right, we're almost done. Don't 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 be freaking out because we're not gonna. I'm not gonna cover everything that's in my notes. I know I know our time has gone by. So uh, eternal judgment. That's hell. Hell. It's real. And we can move on from that. We all know it's real, and this will we do, if God permit, so all these things, we can can talk about it, but, now the next verse, 4, this this is not going to end, this this message today is not going to end, you know, where I wanted it to, because we have run out of time, but Um, we're going to continue on with it next week, so make sure you're here next week, but I want you to understand that. Verse verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. That is the most controversial verse probably in the Bible, that next verse. We're being told to not lay the foundations again. Let's not come back to church every single week wanting a salvation message. We need to build on the foundation. And it's saying that if you could, if you did walk away, that you couldn't be saved again anyway. And if you're doubting your salvation, get over it, because you need to build on the foundation. If you're doubting, just just move on. Don't doubt. The devil wants you to doubt. So don't be discouraged in doubting. Don't let people say, well, you know what? You're not reading your Bible every day. I don't think you're saved. And then you start doubting. Or there's some type of sin in your life, and the Holy Spirit just hasn't convicted you on it. You're new in the faith, and now you're thinking, I'm not saved. I believe on Jesus. I thought I was saved but you know what, I can't get over this thing, so maybe I'm not saved. And you start doubting. So if you did get saved, and now you're saying you're not, you can't get saved again. You would be bringing Jesus and his crucifixion back to an open shame. So quit doubting. If you believed on him, you believed on him. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not saved. Move on from that. Be convicted. Yeah, maybe I should get over this thing that is that I'm it's so hard for me to get over because it's really easy for one person who doesn't have a problem in an area to tell the person who does that they need to stop that. It's really easy for those people to do that. So we all have issues, and 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 I've met men who would go around telling people, well, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And then I'll talk about, uh, I'll ask them about certain issues and you can tell that they're into it. I don't even want to bring it up, but I can say, well, what about blah, blah, blah. And they they don't want to talk about it. Don't judge me. So everybody's got issues. I pray that the Lord will convict you of those things and that you will know that you need to change in those areas and that you will depend on His finished work to get you out of those things. But don't try to get saved all over again. If you're saved, you're saved. Now, you might make a decision, you know what? I was just, I was just trying to make things better. I never was saved. Fine. Well, get saved. But don't try to go back and lay that foundation again. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will be confident in your ways. Father, that we would have a desire to get off of the milk that is for the babies. And Father, that we would want to grow day by day and become more mature and work our way toward being complete in you, Lord. Father, we want to be a people who aren't wrapped up in our own problems and our own growth, but to get out and to reach those who don't even know You at all yet. Father, those people are dead, and they need to be quickened. And Father, we have the answer. You've given it to us. You've entrusted us with Your Word and Your wonderful gospel story. And Father, we need to mature to the point where we can go out and share it with others thank you lord in christ's name we pray amen